Football MX Network production. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. You know a new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Fly Racing, Blends All Racing Motor Oil, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and Pro Glow. Welcome everybody to another episode of Industry Seating. My name is Jason Thomas. I'm your host. It is Sunday, April 11th, and we just wrapped up our, or excuse me, Atlanta one. So we have uh, four rounds to go in this 2021 Monster Energy Supercross Championship. If there is any sort of audio difficulty today, I apologize. I forgot a necessary piece of my typical recording equipment, so I'm uh, doing a little bit of makeshift recording today. It should be fine. This is the same way I do my uh, Patreon recording, which is every race day morning. If you want to check that out, I kind of preview the day, talk about fantasy stuff, talk about things I expect to see. That's every uh, yeah Saturday and Tuesday morning, and that's at patreon.com slash industry seating, so check that out if you are interested. I do want to thank the sponsors of this podcast, Pirelli Tires, Plum Creek Funding, Guts Racing, Fast Foundry, Works Connection, Blenzall, Risk Racing, Premier Vapor Blasting of Georgia. 612 Suspension, Grant Stone Boots, Pro Glow Wash, and Fly Racing. I'll get into those a little bit later. But let's get into this thing. And excuse me if you see, if you hear me taking a sip of my coffee. Uh, normally I would take a pause to do that. But yeah, the way I'm recording today, I'm not able to do that. So this one's going to be a little bit more casual, and that's all right. I listen to lots of podcasts, and it's pretty normal. So I like to think of these podcasts as just you and I having a conversation in which you are very quiet, and I just talk to myself. So that's one way to look at it. 250 class, I'm going to be honest, it was pretty boring. And I don't mean that as a negative, but it was. I was sitting uh, in the WPS Fly Racing Suite watching the, the races. It's kind of quiet. The great thing is you could see the whole track. That was cool. But, uh, man, there just wasn't a lot of action in the 250 class. You know, that just incredible performance from Nate Thrasher kind of sucked the air out of the, the main event there. Justin Cooper had an okay ride. Uh, he later said that he was pretty beat up from his, uh, his heat race crash that we all saw. Cameron McAdoo, well, and I, I shouldn't take anything away from Whackers as we affectionately refer to him, because he was action-packed. I mean, there, there is never a time when McAdoo is, is boring to watch, but he really wasn't up in the, uh, you know, up in the front, and he kind of did damage control after that huge crash in the heat race, but... If there is anything from Cameron McAdoo, it is uh, entertainment. So he did bring it a little bit, but man, he, he gave away more points to Justin Cooper in a race where Justin Cooper felt a little vulnerable. And I didn't expect Justin Cooper to be, to be vulnerable because if you watch that heat race, I mean, oh my God, was he fast. I think he was maybe eight seconds faster than the next best lap or something like that, which is, that's crazy. Like that's... Ricky Carmichael, 2006 Millville status, you know, like 
we haven't seen that very often in this sport where the, the lap time differential from best to second best is, is that wide. So after the heat race, I kind of expected Justin Cooper to run away with the main event, and that really wasn't what we, what we saw. And maybe just because he was beat up, like he said, or maybe he just didn't have that have such an advantage as the track dried out some. Because remember those heat races, it was it was super muddy, so guys weren't really jumping the jumps. And if you were jumping sections that other riders weren't, you could make up multiple seconds literally in just one straightaway. So his advantage certainly was uh, lessened. But still a good ride. He beat the guys he needs to beat, namely Wackers and Hunter Lawrence. And that's really all that matters. you know. And his situation is not so much different than Cooper Webb, and we'll get into that later. But at this point in the season, with only a few races left, worry about what you can control. Just beat the guys that you, you need to beat. You know, Good for Nate Thrasher. Great job. He won the race. That, that's awesome. But as long as Justin Cooper beats... McAdoo and Lawrence, who cares? Like, yeah, okay, there's bonus money and all that stuff, and, and teams want to win races, and great. But big picture, just beat the guys you need to worry about. Everything else will take care of itself. Nobody's going to remember that you didn't win Atlanta 1, right? But they're always going to remember if you win this championship. So I, I really try to look at the macro in these situations instead of the micro, especially at a race where admittedly he was sore and, and really not feeling his best uh in that main event so what do i think for hunter lawrence i think he uh i think he didn't get really what he deserved because he was riding really well all day and i thought he just you know this this could have been a great opportunity for him and he crashed in the first turn and, and all that slipped away so you know he, he did a good job of damage control but you can just feel this slipping away a little bit unless he can come out and win a couple of races here. You know, all that, all that positive that he accomplished, man, he's kind of undoing it a little bit here. You know, he had that run-in with the uh, Steve Mathis Memorial Nets at Arlington and then uh, has another rough main event here at Atlanta 1. You know, we have a really quick turnaround, so we won't have to dwell on it for very long. But he's, he's got to win races. That That's really what I see being the... The difference maker for him, if he's going to be the champ, is he's got to win, period. And, that, and that's easier said than done. But it's it's not very often that you'll find a a champion that doesn't win multiple races. That's just how this goes. You know, we can always point to Timmy Ferry in 97 not winning a race, but that is the outlier. That's not, in my opinion, the way that these these happen or the way you should want to get it done you should, you know, winning races has a way of getting you to the front at the end of the series. And uh, so, yeah, especially when you have guys that are this much better, which I consider McAdoo and Cooper to be head and shoulders better than the rest of the field. And then I guess you have to bring Hunter in there too. And I wouldn't have had Hunter in there to start the series. I would not have had him as head and shoulders better than the rest of the group. So I still hesitate with that designation. Okay, Lucas Oil Promoter Cross this summer? Yes, no problem. He is a elite premier level guy. I have no qualms with saying that. Supercross, I, I should be there, I guess, based off of watching him, but I'm just not. Like I'm just not sold quite yet. So we'll see what uh, this coming Tuesday and Saturday bring. And then of course we'll head out to uh, head out to the mountains and Salt Lake and see what happens there as well. I still have Justin Cooper as your champion. Uh, I, I've had him the whole way. You know, once J-Mart left the series, you know, I, I've had Justin Cooper being the champ. I don't 
have any reason to really shy away from that. Uh, it hasn't been as dominant as a performance as I thought we would get from him, but that's okay. He's, he's your points leader. And until I see a reason to move away from that prediction, uh, I will stay there. Uh, I don't know that he's not going to win out or do anything crazy like that, but you know, he came in with a red plate. He extended his points lead. And yeah, what, what really else is there to, to worry about than that? As for the 450s, lots to talk about here. We have our power rankings that, you know, I use the power rankings as really just kind of a guideline. And they're really more for talking points than anything else. It is fun for me to try to slot these guys in based off of, of course, their point standings. Of course, their results. I use momentum a little bit too. I use recency bias a little bit too as far as what I just saw in the night before. And I kind of factor all those into an eye test and place them where I want to. So at number 10, I have Dylan Ferrandis. And it's been challenging for Ferrandis. You know, he has the speed to be much better than where he is finishing. But he's not putting the whole equation together, right? It's, it's crashing. It's being taken out by Jason Anderson in Arlington. It's poor starts. It's poor opening laps. All those things are hindering a result that I think he's capable of based off of his riding. Because if you watch the riding, the riding's incredible. He was blowing past guys last night, which is, you know, Atlanta won easily. He was much better than many of these guys. So if you really, if you take that and then you apply it to where he could finish, you could be like, oh, he could be a podium guy. But there are so many other factors that you have to nail to, to do that, right? Aaron Plessinger, perfect example. He should have won the race, I believe, at Atlanta 1. He did not. He was battling to finish inside the top five because he crashed. Like that, That's all a part of a 21-minute race. Just because you're riding really well, there, there's so much more to it in a field that is this deep. And uh, that, that's why I have him at number 10. He's just got to fix all of the other aspects of the race and if he does that I think you'll see him have a breakout ride number nine I have Mookie kind of a quiet night from Mookie uh nothing too exciting you know good or bad um what did he finish 11th something like that uh I have the results here let's just pull it up um yeah 11th so not great obviously I don't know if he was struggling with the conditions or just an off night or whatever I really thought he would do pretty well because Mookie is, is great in the whoops. That, that's his strong suit, uh, absolutely. And the whoops were super tough. So I figured if he could just put in solid laps on the rest of the track and then nail both of those whoop sections, that would give him a significant advantage over most of the field. Not everybody, but most of the field. And I don't know if, uh, I don't know if he, maybe he had an incident or a crash or something that I missed. But, uh, yeah, certainly it wasn't the, uh, the finish that he was looking for. I, I definitely had him inside the top 10, and he slipped just outside of that to 11th. But overall, for the season, he's been remarkably consistent. He's been reliable other than a couple Arlington issues. And, uh, yeah, so I'll keep him in my, my top 10, certainly. Number eight, I have Marvin Muscan. And this has not been a great season for Marvin on any front. Injuries, crashes, uh, he did have, you know, a, a random podium in there or two. And I don't think it's really been the riding. It hasn't been, oh, yeah, Marvin's slipping and he just doesn't have the speed anymore. I don't believe that to be the case. I just think he's 
He's making mistakes at inopportune times. And I don't know if that's from trying too hard or overcompensating from a rough season. Maybe it's missing an entire year of Supercross. I, I don't know, right? It's really hard to diagnose exactly what's going on because he's doing uncharacteristic things. You know, he's never really been a crasher per se. He's usually super silky smooth precision. And he still has that, but I think maybe just... Like I said, that overcompensation, trying to make things happen because it has been such a rough go that he's getting out of his comfort zone and uh, finding himself on the ground. You know, obviously we saw the huge crash in Arlington where he knocked himself out, but he's had a lot of just smaller, stupid crashes that have really hindered his, uh, his chances for success. He's been a great fantasy pick. He paid off big time on Saturday night. I was not able to pick him because, of course, I had him in Arlington where he DNF'd yet again. I will likely pick him on Tuesday, though, as long as he is not an all-star and hopefully he's able to make good on it. I just think you have to, right? If you could pick him on on Saturday, last night, you had to pick him. And if he's not an all-star, I I haven't looked at the points yet, you have to pick him um, on Tuesday. So we'll just see how it goes. He's just too talented and and too capable to not pick him if if he is a non-all-star. Number seven, I have Sexton. And this is really, it gets really blurry for a lot of these guys. Really, four, eh, I would say five, six, seven were kind of interchangeable. And I had set Sexton at seven simply because we just don't have many results to go off of. Now, this Atlanta one result was insanely great, unbelievably great. Like, what a ride from Sexton. Almost won the race. He led, you know, he led what, four laps, which is much longer than it sounds on this Atlanta racetrack. And then he gets into an incident and gives up the lead, which you could argue maybe he's going to lose the lead either way, right? But we don't know. Uh, But either way, just an incredible ride. Gets on the podium, finishes second. And yeah, I, you know, really just the lack of results for the 2021 season because of that shoulder injury are what I have him at seven. You could certainly argue moving him up one or two based off of last night's results. Uh, But that's where, you know, I I try to, I try to favor a little bit of, uh, more of the season for some of these guys, right? If I if I'm if it's a toss up for where to put them, I will look more for you know how long have they been riding real well? Have they got any wins? You know where are they at in points? And then I will judge accordingly. Number six, I have Barsha. I mentioned you know you could move any of these guys, right? Barsha gets tenth last night, so certainly that wasn't great. But I, I think the riding was better than that. If you're watching the heat race, like he was out of there, he was. Looked like he was well on his way to winning that heat race. Then he has a huge crash. And I think that just really disrupted his night because that put him into a, a tough gate pick. He was on the very inside gate and then he ends up going down. Uh, just, you know, all those guys kind of pinch each other off in the first turn when it's that tight. And then he's dead last and has he comes back to 10th. But it just really wasn't the race I think many expected for Barsha in those conditions. He's usually great in the ruts and sloppy, muddy tricky conditions and I think he would have been you know if you give Barsha a top three start in the main event I think he battles for the win maybe and certainly gets on the podium I truly believe that but yeah it just wasn't meant to be you know he crashed his way out of the heat and then that really put him behind the eight ball for the main event as well which is that's just part of it you have to make your own luck in situations like that and a big crash in the qualifier will uh it will negatively affect you and and we saw kind of the worst of that from uh, from Barsha's main event. A word from a few of the sponsors here. I have some uh, promo codes as well. 
Pirelli tires, Garrett Marchbanks, man, I didn't mention him in the 250 recap, but he certainly looked like he was on his way to an easy podium and maybe would have chased down Thrasher for the win. He was trying, and I think that's why he ended up going down, was he just really was putting it all on the line to try to go chase Thrasher down and ends up going down in the whoops. But you could see those Pirelli tires getting Thrasher off to a great start. So thank you to Pirelli tires, and please go check those out. Plum Creek funding, go get your house refied if you're in the market to buy a house, which seems like everybody and their mother is these days. There's a lot of selling and buying going on. The uh, The housing market is, it's really just completely out of control, in my opinion. But that presents a great opportunity for wherever you are, whether you're a seller, a buyer, or simply wanting to lower your interest rate, now is the time to act. So reach out to Plum Creek Funding. Reach, his name is Zach Morris, and uh, you can call him at 720-212-4685. Guts Racing, they are the official supplier of seat covers and graphics for many teams, including Rockstar Husqvarna. So Jason Anderson uh, had a pretty strong ride, and I'll get to him in a minute. But if you want to make your bike look just like his, check out Guts Racing. They have custom graphics, custom seat covers. They are an innovator in race seat technology as well. So check out gutsracing.com. Check them out on Instagram. Works Connection. You can go to JT21 on their promo code at the, on checkout. Get that Pro Launch Start device. If you're wondering how Nate Thrasher grabbed a hole shot coming from the LCQ, that very outside, likely from the Pro Launch Start device. You can go to worksconnection.com. Save yourself some money with that promo code JT21. And most of these teams, if you check them out, they're all using Works Connection products for a reason. They've been around since the early 90s. Steve Lampson kind of kicked that party off as far as giving them some legitimacy, and they've been, they've been off to the races ever since. So Eric and the crew over there, great guys, family company, and I could not recommend them anymore. We'll jump into a couple more of these uh, power ranking crew. Uh, number five, I have AP, Aaron Plessinger. And AP is in the middle of a, uh, a little bit of a contract uh, I don't want to say dispute because that's not it. Negotiation. A bidding war is underway for Aaron Plessinger services between Monster Energy Yamaha and Red Bull KTM. I don't know where he's going to end up. Uh, I kind of have my opinion of where he would go. I, I think Red Bull KTM is the team to be on right now. That's my opinion. Uh, I love you know some of the other teams too, but it, with those two teams on the table, my pick would be Red Bull KTM. I just like the innovation in the bike. I like their success rate. And I just think they have a proven track record. And there is no doubt of the commitment to Red Bull KTM and their race program. Where I look at Monster Star Yamaha, and I, I don't really know. You know, the, the factory Yamaha 450 program has been in and out. Right now, Star Racing is running it. So I, don't, I just don't know where the stability comes in there. I don't even know what the power structure is for Yamaha anymore. And I don't mean that to sound as a negative. I genuinely, genuinely don't know. It, there's just a lot of uh, fluidity in that situation. So if I'm looking at where do I want to be and where do I think my future is more secure at, it would it would be a Red Bull KTM. Now I have to be fair and say that it, the Yamaha situation does look better this year, right? This monster star Yamaha team looks much more capable than the former factory Yamaha team. And I don't know why. I don't know if that's the technical guys, I don't know if that's just organizationally. I don't know if that's from everybody practicing together, you know, people moving to Georgia. I don't know any of that. There's a lot of things happening there. And that's part of the reason 
why I think Red Bull KTM looks so much more attractive is because I know exactly what's going on over there. I can tell you everything is structured, everything's in place. KTM's rock solid. You know, look at Cooper Webb's success. You know, Cooper and AP are buddies. Like, there's just a lot to like over there. Where Monster Star Yamaha, I simply don't know. Good or bad, right? It could be moving towards the positive and I wouldn't know, or it could be the uncertainty is, is viewed as a negative. I really just don't have a lot of answers. And when I don't have answers, I tend to lean towards the things I do know. So we'll see what happens with AP. Of, of course, money could always be a factor. You know, Steve Mathis hates when I bring up the salaries into the equation, but that's a part of it. Money is always a part of these situations, right? And let's say, uh, you know, Aaron Plessinger is getting somewhere between I don't know. I would guess it's somewhere between half a million and a million dollars from Monster Star Yamaha, right? That that's a fair assessment. Coming off of the 250 titles, you know, maybe I I, I probably know a better range than that, but let's just say that's a safe range between 500 and a million. Well, what if KTM comes in at 400, or what if they come in at 1.1, right? I don't know what the KTM offer. I truly I don't I truly don't know what the KTM offer is, but. It, you know, what if it's 200 grand more or less and you're 50-50, right? You're just like, eh, I think I could do well at both situations. Well, 200 grand is a lot of money to be different. So that's always going to be a factor for me. And when we don't know what the offer is, it's really hard to say what's more likely than not. So just keep an eye on that. Let's see what, uh, let's see where he ends up. I would bet that, that that decision will be made sometime in the month of April. Teams really like to get deals done before Supercross ends. And uh, then they can start moving toward towards uh, the 2022 season with everything, you know, wrapped up. So especially he's kind of one of the first dominoes to fall. It seems like he's holding up a lot of other offers. So look for, I would see some deadlines uh, set on his offers, certainly in the month of April. Uh, and then everybody else can start kind of jockey for positions past that. Number four, I have Jason Anderson. And... I think he could have been a podium guy. I really do. But if you if you notice on his Instagram, he didn't have a, a shifter. He took a heavy impact on the left side of his bike in the first turn. I didn't know that till today. So really a hero ride, heroic ride. That would probably be better English uh, from Anderson in that main event to uh, to pull off a fourth. And I just really like the way his season is trending. I would not be shocked to see several podiums from him down the stretch and possibly even a win. I, I just think things are lining up for him to do well as we move forward, especially if we move towards Salt Lake where he has been historically very good. I think he probably would have won the finale last year had he not lost his seat. And uh, yeah, so I just like everything I'm seeing from uh, Jason Anderson. A couple more sponsors here. Fast Foundry was reading through some real-life examples that uh, the Fast Foundry owners had given me. And one of them I, I thought was pretty interesting because in my business life, I've had to learn a lot about Excel and how to use spreadsheets and how to become more efficient. And honestly, I still suck. I can use them in a basic sense. I can get by, basically, is all I would say. But of course, the Fast Foundry crew are experts in this field, right? And they were dealing with a smaller business that scaled up really fast, right? They had just explosive growth in their business and they went from, you know, a, a few stores to upwards of a thousand stores. And that obviously when you scale up like that, and, and I've lived this with fly racing and Western power sports, you run into lots of 
problems that you didn't even know you were going to have, or right? you could just never imagine having, whether it's supply chain or scaling or just dealing with growth and that amount of business, right? You're not equipped to handle explosive growth like that. And, and Western Power Sports certainly faced this. I, I watched it happen every day and I was in the middle of it every day. Well, what happened with this particular company that Fast Foundry is talking about, they had a certain way of dealing with spreadsheets. And once, you know, they had to do daily reporting and, you know, quarterly and, and the spreadsheets, the way that they were using them or utilizing Excel wouldn't work, right? It would, they were growing too fast, right? And, and once you start using spreadsheets that people are sharing and multiple people are inside them at the same time, it causes a lot of issues. And I, I deal with this as well. People are saving things and work is getting deleted because you have multiple people in the spreadsheet. So Fast Foundry had to go in and create a web-based application for that specific spreadsheet. And then everyone could use it simultaneously and allow for this growth. And that's a really dumbed down way and for me to explain it to you, but it's a real life application of how Fast Foundry can help, right? Scaling up businesses, automating, uh, creating efficiencies as small business are scaling up is a, is a great way for you and your small business to reach out to Fast Foundry and get their help, right? They're just going to make business for you easier and much more efficient. And it's, it's, uh, it's something I've really enjoyed learning about from them uh, because that's, that's stuff that's really applicable to my life and uh, ex- expanding businesses just like this podcast, right? Work Connection, I mentioned, uh, Blenzol has a brand new oil hit in the markets, the Ultra TPI. So check out Blenzol.com. David Schloss and the owners over there are really expanding fast. If you if you listen to any other podcast, MX Vice, uh, Steve Mathis and Jason Wygant have a, a new podcast called Re-Raceables. They're, they're a part of that. Uh, but Blenzol really making a comeback and getting back into the scene quickly. And of course, that new Ultra TPI just hitting the market now. Risk Racing, promo code JT dollar sign, JT money. Use it at checkout to save yourself some money. Now, I was watching... Jason Wygant with his son, and they were practicing starts of all things, right? And if you follow along to us closely, you you know the struggles that Jason Wygant has had with starts. He missed the start twice now for Lucas Oil Pro Motocross. Not his fault, but they did miss the start twice. And his son missed the start for the Stasic race that they did in Atlanta two years ago. Was it two years ago? I think it was two years ago. Maybe last year. Hell, I don't know. I, I can't remember anything with COVID anymore. But we have had a... Tremendous time making fun of Jason Wygant and his difficulty with starts over the years. So they had been using that risk race, risk racing starting gate. And that's pretty awesome. It's a great marketing move for everybody involved. And I would highly recommend it. Use your Pro Launch Start device from Works Connection and use that risk racing starting gate to nail your starts. There has never been a better way to ensure better starts than using those two assets. So thank you to Risk Racing. Thank you to James for, uh, for being a part of this podcast. Premier Vapor Blasting, mention this podcast and save yourself some money. I believe it is 25% off if you mention the podcast. And go on their Instagram. This is my go-to for them. Premier Vapor Blasting is their Instagram. You can see all of the great work that they do. Now that I actually have a bike, a 2021 Honda 450 Works Edition, when it gets beat up and a little dirty, I'll be sending off some parts of them to get dialed in so it can be a show bike at the end of the day. 612 Suspension Race Tech Affiliate. Mention the podcast for a 20% discount. 
they are a second generation suspension company. So, you know, Ronnie and his, his father, Ron, they've been doing this for a very long time. And his dad used to actually work on my suspension back in the day. You know, I think 1998 or so, uh, I used to drive down and visit their, uh, their family's property. And yeah, Big Ron would work on my suspension, get me dialed in and back to the practice track I would go. So watching Ronnie kind of grow up and grow this 612 suspension business has been uh, enjoyable for me. You know, I have longtime friends and uh, yeah, friends helping friends. Mention the podcast 612suspension.com. Get yourself dialed in. Pro Glow Wash is purpose-built for power sports. And uh, Ryan Humphrey, I did an interview with Ryan a couple episodes ago. Go check that out in Arlington. Got to sit down and learn a lot. I mean, the the things that he knows about this space that I did not, right? He's much more intelligent than I am and much more informed on all things uh, chemical-based, patrol, you know, any type of wash base. Obviously, his specialty is in the oil and gas business, but that that's how these chemicals are built, right? It's, it's right up his alley. And he lost me in about seven seconds speaking on this stuff. So, you know, the way they were able to formulate this specific for the needs of power sports was pretty interesting to me. And I would highly recommend going back and listening to that interview if you have any questions on this stuff. Use the promo code MOTO15 to save yourself some money. And uh, yeah, check out Pro Glow Wash. Grandstone Boots, I wear them. You should wear them. Check out at Grandstone Boot on Instagram, grandstoneboots.com. Listen, we all have day jobs, right? We like riding motorcycles, but most of us probably work in some sort of office environment. And you can be looking the part with Grandstone Boots. And then last but not least, Fly Racing Kinetic Mesh was launched this weekend. You will be able to pick it up this week at your local dealer. Go to flyracing.com or at Fly Racing USA to learn more. Okay, the last few power rankings, then I have some notes moving forward. Number three, Ken Roxon. And I think this one's pretty obvious, but I don't know what to make of that ride from Roxon. It just wasn't good, man. I... I I'm trying to not be harsh on Kenny, but that that's whew, that wasn't good. That was a lot of points given up. You know, he's 22 points down now, and he's very fortunate that Webb didn't win that race because it would be over a points lead, or a, excuse me, over a uh, a win worth of points had Webb went out, gone out and won. I just didn't like what I saw from Kenny. I didn't like anything about his day or night. Nothing looked like the Ken Roxon of a couple months ago, and that's scary. Right, because when you have two weekends off, it can go one of two ways. Right, it can you can really use it as a chance to reset and come out swinging, just like he did in Houston to start the season, or you can really kind of cascade further down. Right, the the trends that we saw can be even more reinforced if you come out and have a bad race off of the break, and and that's really more what I saw. I, I don't know where this goes. I don't like how this is going to play out for the next four weeks. I think it's incredibly critical for him to have a really good day on Tuesday. If he has another race outside of the top five on Tuesday, oh man, I don't want to say pack it in, but pack it in. Like it's, it might be over for Kenny because I, I don't think Salt Lake is going to work very well for him. I just didn't like anything about how Salt Lake went for Kenny last year. And I didn't like anything about what I saw from him on Saturday. So if you're a Roxon fan, 
you can't love how this looks. You really have to be hoping for a nice bounce back on Tuesday. Um, I'm just pretty pessimistic right now, if, I, if I'm being honest with you. Number two, Eli Tomac. Great ride. That, that was awesome, right? Wins the race. He clearly loves these Speedway events. It wasn't a dominant performance. You know, he won the race and he deserved to win the race, but, you know, he, he just solidly moved forward, got past, you know, Sexton right before the white flag and won the race. So good for him. Nice day. A win's a win. You know, he's still, what, 36 points down. So I, I don't think he's really thinking championship at this point. I think he's just trying to rack up wins. You know, he's uh, celebrating the expectation of another child, which we all saw over the break. So really cool for him. And I just wonder if he's going to, you know, he, in his mind, does he think, okay, let's win some races, then, but let's go after this this outdoor championship, right? Because he didn't have a great summer last year. And I would be curious to see what practicing he's doing, right? Is he is he full all in on outdoor practicing? Because that's where I would be if I'm him. I would be focusing all of my attention on Lucas Oil Pro Motocross at this point. And if wins come, so be it. That's great for Supercross. But I think that ship's kind of already sailed as far as the championship goes. Now, number one, Cooper Webb, of course, your points leader is 22 points up on first, or excuse me, on Roxon, and 36 points up on Tomac. And, and to me, I think you're just seeing him play it safe a little bit, right? You take the win if it's there. If it's not, you just take what's in front of you. Same situation as Justin Cooper. You worry about beating Ken Roxon first and foremost, and you try to beat Eli Tomac, but it's not critical, right? Four races, 36-point lead. Just don't do anything stupid. Don't make any sudden movements. Don't get in, you know, involved in big crashes. If somebody instigates something with you, just blow it off. Like, let it go, right? You just need to stay out of trouble, to put it in the most simple terms possible. Get good starts. Put in solid laps. Don't take don't take big chances, and this championship's going to be yours. You know your biggest competitor, Cooper, or excuse me, Ken Roxon is is looking very vulnerable, right? He just doesn't look like he has anything really to give. So that means you don't really have to take any chances. You can back it down accordingly, and if you do get the whole shot and you're feeling it, go win, right? That's going to even make it easier. But luckily for Webb, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to go out and win. He can just really keep everything in front of them. And that, that's a football term. But when you have a big lead and you're playing defense and you are like a safety or a cornerback, the term is just keep it all in front of you, right? Don't let anybody get behind you. Don't put yourself in a risky position and just prevent a catastrophic situation from happening. And that's really just where I see it for Webb right now. I would be very comfortable if I was Webb. I would just make sure I nailed the starts and just make sure you don't get caught up in any drama and everything else will take care of itself. Now, I do have one honorable mention for the power rankings, and that is Joey Savacci. He's been riding really well lately, and he got a top 10, and I, I think he deserves to be mentioned here. Uh, I like what I'm seeing from Joey. Good starts, good riding, and uh, I think that sets him up nicely to have uh, a nice summer series. You know, he, he's certainly capable. I think his starts are his biggest asset. If he puts himself in good position, I think he's capable of staying there, you know, we saw this form from him uh, back in, when he was on Factory Kawasaki in 2019. That was all missing in 2020, but he's, he's working his way back to that form. Excuse me, I had a sip of coffee there. So just a couple of notes moving forward. 
Uh, I'm really interested to see where Chase Sexton can take this. I love everything I'm seeing, and I think, you know, outdoors will be great. I think he's going to get some more podiums in Supercross. But as far as the rivalry heating up is what I'm most interested in. And I, I have mentioned this a few times on this podcast. Ken Roxon has been the alpha at Honda for a very long time now. Unquestionably. I think Chase Sexton is on his way to challenging that supremacy. And I don't think Kenny's going to love that. I think Kenny likes calling the shots at Honda. But if Sexton keeps improving, they're going to have to balance it out a little bit, right? Kenny's not going to get all of the attention for testing. Kenny's not going to get to decide where the direction of the team goes, right? They're going to have to start to look at Sexton as being like, well, you know, Chase can win too, right? It's not just Kenny's team anymore. And I think that might be a positive, right? I think that might force Kenny to raise his game a little bit and, you know, pressure and expectation when you have a championship caliber guy and one of the best guys we've seen like Ken Roxon, sometimes I think that that forces guys to get better, right? It, it forces a little bit of urgency in their program and they aren't able to just sit back and say, yeah, I'm, I'm the guy at Honda, right? I, I decide where we, what we do and when we do it. Sexton could upset that apple cart a little bit and maybe, maybe that's the push that Ken Roxon needs. We'll see. I, I don't know. But I, I, I just think Kenny has been a little bit too comfortable at Honda for a little bit too long. And, and this Sexton pressure could force him to uh, get out of his comfort zone a little bit. Uh, Cade Clayson. Uh, I've, I've kind of been thinking about this last night and, and this morning. And, you know, he, he shouldn't be thrown out. You know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like, everyone's going to overreact in the moment. Cade certainly didn't try to get in the way. And he apologized. He said he was in the wrong. My only take of it is if you don't have a battle going on, which he didn't, you know, uh, Freddie was pretty far back, get out of the race line, right? If you, he looked back, he saw Chase there, go to the very outside, right? You're the leader. Chase isn't going to try to go to the very outside of you in most situations, right? He's judging what you're going to do. So if Cade jumps deep into the turn, which they were doing, right? They were doubling and then singling into that corner. If Cade jumps long and just goes up to the berm, it's very unlikely that Chase is going to force it to the outside. Now, it, I, could, I could see that possibly happening, right? Sexton's like, okay, I'm just going to pin it around the outside. I think it, that's unlikely. As long as Cade indicates that he's going to press deep into the corner, then that allows Chase to just cut down and take the inside line, which he would want anyway. That was the main line. That was a, There was a main rut to the middle inside that both Cade and Chase ended up going to anyway, and that's what caused the big problem. But that's really my only issue with Cade is like, you've got to be decisive there. Like Indecision is everyone's enemy in that situation. If Sexton can't tell what you're going to do, then he's got to try to predict. And anytime you're trying to predict with uncertainty, you have an issue. So Cade's got to be really decisive in his line choice, press deep, jump long, let Chase know what you're doing by your actions. And then Chase can just duck down underneath you without incident. Unfortunately, Cade looks back, Chase doesn't know what he's doing. Cade goes inside, Chase goes inside. And then we have a pass for the lead based off that. So 
these things happen. There's a lot going on in a very short amount of time. And I'm sure Cade feels bad about it. You know, Chase, I thought Chase handled it with a lot of class. He didn't blame Cade. He didn't freak out. And I thought that was really respectable by Chase was to not blame anybody. He, you know, he kind of took it on himself there. So again, it is what it is. These things happen in racing. Um, but I would just, as a guy who was lapped a lot, right? I, I've been lapped many, many times in my career. So I understand the dynamics of it. And I, I got it wrong many times too. You know, Steve was kind of hammering me on that, uh, on the review that I got it wrong at times. They talked about it on the Re-Raceable podcast. So I, I know it's, it's hard to always get it right, but I'm just trying to give some advice to Cade from a guy who's been lapped a hundred times or whatever, right? It's probably realistic that I was lapped a hundred times. So I'm excited for Tuesday, another race. We're going to have great weather, thankfully. So we're going to see a dry racetrack and uh, more normal conditions and hopefully some more excitement. I, I just wasn't overwhelmed with excitement from, uh, from Saturday night's race, but I think it'll shape up nicely. The venue's super nice. The track, the dirt, everything should be good. And, and we'll get what we got robbed of on Saturday. And we got two more. Uh, Saturday weather's iffy right now. We may get a little rain, maybe not. But Tuesday's looking great. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Again, I apologize if the audio quality isn't perfect on this one. I hope it's okay. But, yeah, that's on me. I just uh, I forgot an integral piece of my recording equipment. But next Sunday, we'll be back to normal. I will do, and I keep promising you guys this, and I'm going to do it. I will do a quick Wednesday uh, little wrap-up, just a little bonus podcast industry seating on Wednesday just to kind of update my thoughts. It won't be super long, but it will be something. So I will talk to you guys on Wednesday. See you.